Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, Dr. Jason Gleason will join us for an extended discussion that includes talking about the work of nurse practitioners and exploring stroke prevention. Dr. Gleason is a retired lieutenant colonel who served in the United States Air Force. He is also a national speaker and consultant within his areas of expertise. Dr. Gleason will be talking with Dave Nemo, who will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Jason Gleason. It's a real honor to welcome Doctor of Nurse Practice and Veterans Health Administration, retired U.S. Air National Guard Lieutenant Colonel Jason Gleason, DNP. Dr. J, good morning. Good morning, Dave. I'm thrilled to be with you and your listeners this morning. Well, it's great to have you with us, and thanks for getting up. You're probably an early riser, though, an old Air Force man. Thank you for your service, of course, and hope you had a great Memorial Day and meaningful Memorial Day weekend. It was wonderful. Just such a great opportunity to honor those that sacrificed everything for our freedom. Jimmy Mack, one of our guys here, put together four days of program where we kind of overdid it, I think, in the best possible way this year with Memorial Day. I'm kind of with the late Daniel Inouye about bringing Memorial Day back to its origination on May 30th and having it just be that one day of solemn. But I get the three-day weekend, too, if we can really keep the important part of that going, and I'm sure you agree with that. So, speaking of importance, this is wrapping up National Nurses Month, and then, of course, it's the the end of National Stroke Awareness Month, and you're a DNP, a doctorate uh, nurse practitioner or doctoral nurse practitioner. Most of the nurses that we see are RNs, registered nurse. Are there some different levels of nursing? Yeah, Dave, that's such a great question. There's different levels of preparation for education for nurses. You have licensed practical nurses who you might see in a clinic setting and registered nurses who we're quite familiar with across the country. There's 4.2 million nurses and the majority are registered nurses. And they're the ones on the front lines. They're the ones helping you in the hospital setting, your emergency department clinics and other settings across the country. And then there are doctorate prepared nurse practitioners and nurse anesthetists that help you in surgery, put you to sleep in surgery. And then there's nurse midwives out there, and I am thrilled to be part of the 4.2 million nurses. There's 355,000 nurse practitioners alone across the entire country. What we do is we provide care for our patients, usually in the primary care setting or other specialty settings. That means that we order tests and do exams and prescribe medications and prescribe different treatments for our patients to get them the best care that they deserve and need. Understood, understood. As you say, they're the first folks who bring you in if you have an emergency. I had a heart attack, and the one person I really remember is the nurse that gave me a kiss on the forehead before they sent me up to the operating room. Wow, that truly is the magic, and I'm so sorry to hear about your heart attack. I'm glad you did okay. Well, it was 10 years ago, and I'm better now than I was before, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. That's heart of gold, right? We've talked about stroke earlier this month because it is National Stroke, but you can't overemphasize this because you don't have time to overemphasize it in a sense. It happens so fast. And I'm just going to use my own example, and everybody has one if you've had one. I was on the phone with a friend, and I felt like an elephant was standing on my chest. 
I told my wife, I think I'm having a heart attack. So we go. So that's your heart. Your brain is kind of okay here, I guess. But when you have a stroke, it's a brain attack as opposed to a heart attack. So your heart's doing just fine. It's pumping that blood, which is now the worst thing your heart can do because it's pumping blood maybe into your brain because you have a broken vessel there or something like that. So now your heart is kind of, in a sense, working against your brain for a little while, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And brain attack or a stroke can be quite serious, as serious as a heart attack. And often people out there, you can miss the signs or how many of us as human beings were in denial, right? Oh, it can't be a stroke. It can't be a heart attack. And we put care off. But with a stroke, it's so important that any of your listeners out there, and let's say you're a professional truck driver and you're driving into a city and you start to have symptoms of a stroke, and you're like, I don't have time for a stroke. I do not have time for this, right? And who has mm-hmm. time for a stroke? But if they start having certain signs, it's so important they 911 and go by ambulance to the nearest hospital because 2 million brain cells die off every minute that a stroke goes untreated and you'll never get those back, never get those back. So every minute, 2 million brain cells are dying off with a stroke. So you have to know what the first little inklings of symptoms are for yourself obviously, and then be kind of brave enough and smart enough to realize what's going on. But you have something and it's like, don't, what was that? And then you kind of move on and move on. That's the usual thing, right? It's like, don't, what happened here? Okay, I'm fine and go. Absolutely. And that's just human nature in all of us. And it's nobody's fault, but heart attack with your experience. I'm so sorry. And I'm glad you're doing well. And stroke, there's just two things you cannot mess with. So if you're a professional truck driver out there, your listeners that are listening in right now, and you start having the symptoms of a stroke, it means you have to pull your rig over and 911 right away, regardless of where you're at. 911, even though it's an inconvenience, right? Nobody wants to park their truck and delay a job that you're involved in. But the alternative is death, or you could be put in a long-term care facility like a nursing home for the rest of your life. And certainly that would be devastating to anybody in your family. One of the things that we look at here, and there's a website called strokeawareness.com, and they tell you that you want to be fast, B-E-F-A-S-T. Now, we know about F-A-S-T, face, the facial drooping, severe headache. That's your F. Your A is arms, weakness, and numbness. Your S is speech, trouble speaking, confusion. And then T is time. It is time to call 911. And I think that's what the CDC puts out in terms of stroke awareness and stroke recognition. But these folks put a couple of things in. They say be fast, be for balance, mm-hmm. loss of balance and dizziness. And then the E for eyes indicating vision changes. So if you start feeling a little loss of balance, a little dizziness. But that kind of confuses me a little bit because I think if folks thought they were having a stroke every time they got a little dizzy or loss of balance, we'd be flooding the emergency rooms. How severe does that have to be? And that's such a great point because we don't want to flood our emergency departments, especially these days, because they're overtaxed anyway, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And regardless of that, they work hard and often are overtaxed. And we want to save our emergency departments for those true emergencies. So when you think of BFAST, let's say you're sitting across from somebody at a diner in a truck stop. You're a professional truck driver. You're with your buddy or you're sitting across from a stranger or something. And as you mentioned, you're spot on. BFAST, it's an easy thing to remember. B for balance, E for eyes, F for facial uh, drooping or changes, A for arm weakness, S for speech changes, and then T stands for it's time to call 911. 
But you don't want to do that for everybody because you're right. A lot of us experience dizziness or vision changes. But the way to tell the difference and never mess around with this because it's always best to err on the side of safety, right? If somebody goes to the emergency department because you called 911 or you went and it ended up not being a stroke, that's okay. But for BFAST, these symptoms will come on all of a sudden, like in a snap of a finger, typically. And like, gosh, I was fine. And then the next minute, I felt like the entire room was spinning and I was going to black out, something like that. Very acute compared to the dizziness that you might get from an inner ear infection. That's the most common cause of vertigo where the room is spinning or dizziness is sometimes related to dehydration. It's kind of gradual. But the dizziness with a stroke, it's like acute, like a snap of a finger or any vision changes or facial changes, arm weakness, speech changes, but it's usually quite acute and you'll definitely notice, yeah, quite severe and quite acute in most patients. Sometimes it can be subtle, but the clue is that it's acute. It's just a snap of a finger, it starts. You know that kid in eighth grade who always raised his hand and asked the question that just went on forever and it made no sense, but then at the end you had to answer it? Well, I'm that kid, so (laughs) bear with me just for a second. (laughs) I am in the garden, and I'm bending over planting plants. And I'm up and I'm down, and I get up and ah, a little dizzy, okay? And I go sit down for a little while, drink some water, and I'm fine. Now, that's one... That's That brings on dizziness to a degree. Is the difference here that I could just be standing there looking at those flowers and then all of a sudden feel like, whoa, what happened? I'm going to fall over. Is that what we're looking at? Or do I have to do something that would, in some cases, bring on dizziness anyway? Does that make any sense? It makes total sense, yeah. And stroke will strike in those moments where it doesn't make sense. It's like, gosh, I was just sitting there. I was just driving my truck and I had to pull over all of a sudden. Those kind of things. And that can be quite devastating. Okay, so I can tell you that most people will never feel that, just sitting or standing and then all of a sudden feel like, oh, I'm going to fall over. That is stroke-induced dizziness. I mean, I would bet on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've worked outside in the yard and gotten dizzy. And then it goes away. The dizziness from a stroke will not go away. It'll get worse as well, regardless of what you do. Okay. Got that. So we can't fool ourselves with that one saying, oh, well, that was weird, but oh, guess I'm okay. And then we move on. So it's weird and then it gets dangerous. It never stops being weird. So if you're sitting there, as our listeners are sitting there, they're strapped in, they got both hands on the wheel. They ain't bending over. They're not doing anything. They're not gardening. They're just sitting there driving that truck. If they start feeling dizzy under those conditions, pull over now. Absolutely. Yeah, because not doing that puts yourself at risk and risk of those around you on the road. Plus, you want to pull over and activate EMS, 911 it right away, and go to the nearest hospital. Got it. Moving on to the eyes. Vision changes. What kind of vision changes? You mentioned blurriness, a little out of focus. Is that going to happen? Like I'm reading a book and then all of a sudden it's like I turn the page and somebody has blurred the ink. Is that kind of the way it works? Yeah, an acute change in vision, something that you never experienced before. Even when driving, because all of us, and I imagine all your professional truck drivers out there have experienced this at one point, you get tired, you get eye fatigue, and you kind of look at things, they might be a little blurry, and then you blink your eyes or you rub them, and then it's clear again. Well, in this case, if you have any blurred vision or any kind of vision, maybe half your vision is clouded in some way, but it's acute, like a snap of a finger you've never experienced before, and it's not going away within seconds or a minute, then it's really time to activate EMS in those cases. 
also with the eyes, let's say you're at that truck stop and you're checking out at the counter. You look at the person helping you, the employee, and you look at their eyes and the eyes, they're not looking directly at you when they're talking to you. One eye might be darted off to the side in an extreme way. I mean, you'd never miss it. It looks like they're almost looking off to the side when they should be looking straight ahead. If that's acute for them and new, that's also a sign of stroke. Eye vision and eye changes. Okay, so again, you can help yourself and others. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there's so much we can do to treat stroke these days, but it's getting to the emergency department. That's the first vital link in this chain of survival. We're going to take the quickest break we can take right now. Sounds great. You're listening to the Highway Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to The Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on The Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. So when it comes to strokes, you must be fast, B-E-F-A-S-T. B for balance, we talked about that. E for eyes, for yourself, if you all of a sudden get a you know, real blurry vision or something all of a sudden for no good reason. You notice somebody that you're talking to maybe at the checkout at a truck stop that they're kind of looking over here and looking over there and not really looking at you. What would you say to somebody like that, Dr. J.? It's difficult because it's uncomfortable. We don't like to ask people things about their health, but just kindly and respectfully say, gosh, I notice your eyes are in a different direction. Are you aware of this? And is this new for you? Because that could be a sign of stroke. And that's all you have to say. Yeah. And then they'll tell you maybe they've had it forever. Maybe it's a chronic condition for them, but you could save their life otherwise. Yeah, just make sure you pay for everything and you're ready to go and then say it. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. Absolutely. Pay for your fuel first, right? All right. So we've been to the bees here and now FAST, F-A-S-T. F for face, facial drooping, severe headache. I think the facial drooping thing is pretty obvious to all of us here. It's generally one side. Is there a reason why it's one side and can it be both sides? Usually it's one side because it'd be unusual for a stroke to affect more than one area of the brain. In most cases, it's one side or the other. And it's quite unique because what we see on TV and on the posters is it looks like your face is melting down on one side. Mm -hmm. That's because the stroke is on one side. But Dave, it's interesting with facial drooping. It can even be subtle, subtle changes that are new. Like let's say you wake up in the morning at a hotel or in your truck and you look in the mirror and you notice, what the heck is wrong with my lip? My lip is like planting downward on one side, but the rest of my face is fine. Or let's say you have some eye droop that is new for you. The key to this, even if it's subtle, is this new for you. Because some of us have different variations with our facial expressions, our mouths and our eyes and that kind of thing. But if it's new for you, that too is a sign of stroke and you should definitely get evaluated. Johnny, I hardly knew you. But if Johnny's looking in the mirror, that's a problem. Absolutely. Yep. 
So what you're indicating here is that I won't feel this so much. I'd have to kind of see it in the mirror or someone else would have to see this, right? So there's no physical sensation or a little possibly? There can be, yeah. Facial numbness that is new as well. So complete numbness, like you're touching your face and you're like, gosh, why the heck is my cheek and above my forehead on this side of my face? Why is it all numb now? I can't even feel anything. That too could be a sign of a stroke. So facial numbness or facial drooping. In all honesty, by now, we should all know this by now, shouldn't we? Are we doing a good enough job getting the word out on this? In 2006, years ago now, it seems like you can't even remember 2006 yeah. anymore, but since 2006, we've known that 2 million brain cells die off every minute that a stroke goes untreated. My good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Saver and his team out at UCLA, they were able to determine that. And that's all of this time is brain. So important to get to the ED marketing has come out since then. And it's been life-saving. So actually, this is pretty well known. The BFAST is fairly new. And BFAST, why did they change it? Because it used to be just FAST, as you mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So BFAST, the B and the E, stand for the posterior stroke symptoms because you have the back of your brain and the front of your brain. And what we were finding is that posterior strokes, the strokes that happen in the back of your brain, they were being missed because who thinks of balance issues or dizziness or vision changes related to a stroke? But since we've added that, we're hoping to catch more strokes in patients because the posterior strokes, the strokes in the back of the brain, can be quite devastating, if not more devastating, than those in the front of the brain. You're listening to the Highway Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to the Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on the Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Dr. J, thank you again so much for being with us here this morning. I didn't realize you were a big fan of Sirius XM. Absolutely, and I'm thrilled to be with you. Yeah, it's great to be back with you, and I listen to your show on 146 all the time. Awesome. Well, you're in Montana. I guess you do some driving out there, huh? Well, we have a little mileage. Yeah, we're the fourth largest state based on geography. We only have a million people. Can you believe that? In our entire <laughs> state, but we're the fourth largest. Indeed, indeed. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. Again, thanks for your service in the Air Force. We were kind of talking a little bit about military life a little bit during the break. But let's get back to be fast. We've talked about the balance, the eyes, the facial drooping, and now severe headache. Now, we've all gotten severe headaches. They come on different ways. Is this headache different? It can be. And when you think of this, it's important for your listeners to know that there's two types of stroke. There's the stroke, which is kind of a blockage type, similar to a heart attack, where a piece of cholesterol can float up and block a blood vessel. 
or a blood clot can develop. And it's like a cork in a bottle, and no blood can get beyond the blockage. So that's where those brain cells die. The 2 million brain cells die every minute a stroke goes untreated. So that's the most common type of stroke. And then the other type of stroke is hemorrhagic. Think of your pipes bursting in your house and leaking all the water all over. That's a hemorrhagic stroke. And so with headache, headache is usually a sign of a hemorrhagic stroke. But as you brought up, all of us have headaches. Do we want to go to the ED, emergency department for every headache? We don't want to do that. But what your listeners need to know, and this is so important, if you have a sudden acute snap of a finger headache, we call it a thunderclap because it's like a thunder and lightning kind of headache, like shazam. It just strikes your head really hard and acutely out of the blue. That could be a sign of hemorrhagic stroke, which is really important. Absolutely. Pull over and call 911 right away. Okay, so let me do the eighth grader for you here. I'm driving down the highway. Everything's fine. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. Then all of a sudden, it feels like somebody just hit me upside the head with a hammer, and I've got just immense headache. Is it sort of like a hit me upside of the head with a hammer feeling? Absolutely, yeah. Think of that and just that sudden lightning and thunder, just the shazam, hit upside the head with a hammer kind of pain. It's time to pull over. Yeah, really pay attention to those. Got it. Okay. Now, is that headache 911 worthy? Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Okay. So that's the F for face. Now, the arms, weakness. We always talk about left side. And I'm going to go to personal again. The classic left side arm thing with the heart attack. Not me. I had full use of both arms, but it was right in the middle. That elephant's foot was right there in the sternum. So enough about the arms and the left side. But for heart attack, obviously most have that. But are we looking at left arm only with a stroke or could it be both or does it have to be an arm? Could it be your leg? It could be any extremity in your body, right or left, upper or lower extremities, or all of them together. It's such an important thing. The thing that really throws patients off, though, and people off like your drivers possibly, and it's important not to do this. Let's say you're driving, and maybe your arm, the entire arm doesn't go numb or you can't raise the entire arm. But let's say you can't move your fingers all of a sudden, or your hand is like acutely, again, acute symptoms. You never had this before. Out of the blue, your hand is completely weak, or your forearm, or let's say your foot, you're pushed on that gas, and all of a sudden, crap, I can't feel my foot anymore. What's going on here? I can't even push down. And it's acute. It's a new change. That could be a sign of a stroke. And that's where a lot of people blow it off like, oh, I'll just shake it off. I'll shake that out of my hand and it'll get moving again. It might be carpal tunnel or numbness or something. But if it's acute and it's new for you, that could be a sign of a stroke. And it could be devastating for your drivers. Imagine if you had a minor stroke where it didn't affect your whole arm, but possibly your hand or maybe your vision. Maybe it knocked out only your peripheral vision but you could still see. Well, for your drivers, that would mean occupationally, they would have to find a different job because they could no longer drive. Yes. There's a laundry list of medical conditions that fall under that category, unfortunately. So a lot of times guys out there and the ladies are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to making a living and staying healthy or even staying alive. That's always the dichotomy, isn't it? It is. It is. I have to say I have a good friend, a good buddy, and I was talking to him last night. I told him I'm being interviewed on this wonderful show 
and his name is John Lee. And if any of your listeners out there see him at one of the stops, he's a truck driver, and he's my good friend, and he's always busy doing this. And I have such an appreciation for what professional truck drivers do out there. They're vital to our country and the world, in fact. So I care so much about them and certainly don't want them to have a stroke. And if they do, to get help right away. Exactly. Okay, with the arms, we have the weakness, as you described, maybe even foot, arm, and the partial. But it also has numbness. We kind of circle back to the numbness that you might feel in your face. So that would be a kind of a sudden, almost maybe acute numbness, like you're going to notice that pretty quick. Absolutely, yeah. That's the key to all of this. Anything that is new for you that happens abruptly, that's very important to pay attention to. Balance, eyes, facial numbness, and then the arm weakness. Got it. So when it comes to speech, I'm not so sure we need to dwell on this, the trouble speaking and confusion, although the confusion portion of that may be a little, I'm confused most of the time, and I'm not trying to be funny. You kind of have to know yourself in this regard, don't you? Absolutely, yep. And with that, with the S, with speech changes, which leads to confusion, again, when you see the commercials on TV, it's slurred speech, and it's quite obvious that something's going on. But it can be a subtle change, and if it's new, like you wake up and you're talking to someone, and it's like, I don't sound right today. Something's a little off, and I've never had this before. Or you notice that in somebody else. Or the thing that is often missed is you want to say something. You're telling your mouth, okay, I want to say this. I want to say apple but it comes out as banana. Any kind of weird stuff like that that just does not fit, that could be a sign of a stroke. It means that something's happening inside your brain that's new for you. Maybe if we drove for six hours straight or whatever, we'd be exhausted. There's exhaustion where you just can't think right, that kind of confusion. But then there is stroke kind of confusion or speech changes, and those can be subtle too, but they're so important to pay attention to. Got it. Understood. And then the T, time, time to call 911. Be fast. Dr. J, we're going to take another break here. When we come back, let us actually get to the good side of this equation because there is a good side. There is treatment, but again, it all depends on being fast. So hopefully our listeners will stay with us and we'll be right back after a quick break. You're listening to the Highway Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again RadioNemo.com. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to The Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on The Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. It's Highway to Health. Thanks to Dr. Jason Gleason, DNP, for being with us and staying with us here this morning. So once again, speed is of the essence. So the first thing you do with the sign of a stroke is call 911. But the last thing you want to do is drive yourself to the hospital or let someone else drive you to the hospital. Is that because they can do something for you? That ambulance crew can do something for you right there. Is there something they can do? 
Absolutely. And number one, you don't want to drive yourself for obvious reasons. But when time is of the essence, nothing beats an ambulance that can go through traffic with lights going and sounds blaring so they can get you there quicker. But in the meantime, in the back of that ambulance, they can be starting IVs. They can be radioing into the emergency department with your signs and symptoms. So the minute you get there, you hit the door running. And at our hospital locally and across the country, you'll see this now, if you're having signs of a stroke, you don't even go to an exam room in the emergency department. They take you right to CT where they can get an image of your brain. So time is of the essence. So there's profound value in activating EMS rather than having somebody drive you to the emergency department. Backtracking just a little bit, the CDC tells us that one in three stroke patients never call 911. I hope we're not talking to that guy. Well, maybe we should be talking to that guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I worked in the emergency department as a nurse practitioner, and I can't tell you how often people would drive up in their car and we go out and have to extract the patients in the back seat because they had devastating signs of a stroke. But families, especially from those generations that are very frugal and they want to save money or they don't think it's very important at the time, they'll load up their family member and bring them in. But the safest thing, the absolute safest thing is to call 911 and get in that ambulance. You mentioned they're going to go right into a CT. They're going to scan your brain, and they're looking to find what type of stroke you have there, if I'm not mistaken. So you either have the ischemic, which is your blood clot or a blockage, sort of like the heart attack thing, and then you have the hemorrhagic, which is a blowout of a vein in your brain. Let's go to the ischemic first. They find out, okay, you've had an ischemic stroke. You have a blockage. There's really something they can do on the spot for that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it's wonderful what we can do for strokes. So you go to the emergency department, you go to the CT room, and you have an image of your brain taken right away. And they do that because, as you said, as you said, they want to determine, is this ischemic, the blockage kind of stroke, or is this the less common hemorrhagic stroke where the pipe bursts in your brain, leaking blood? And if it's not a hemorrhagic stroke, if they don't see blood on the CT scan, they can then give these patients a medication. It's called TPA. And the brand name is Altaplace, but TPA, and if you think of this, take a stick of butter and put it in the microwave and how it melts down to nothing, that's what the TPA does to that blood clot causing the blockage. And then it opens up that blood vessel, and about 50% of the time, 50% of the time, it'll help those patients get closer to independent living after their stroke, which means back to work, taking care of their family, taking care of themselves. And that 50-50 really depends on how fast you are. Yes, yes. The quicker the better because to get that butter melting, so to speak, drug, you have like a four and a half hour window of time. But the sooner you get there, the more brain cells you're going to save. And then the other treatment that's profound, and this is a newer treatment available since 2015, and it's radically changing how we treat stroke. We still give them the drug, the TPA that'll melt the clot down. But then now we can go through the leg or through the wrist. It's kind of like a heart catheterization, if Mm -hmm. your listeners are familiar with that. But we take a SIMP device, and it's amazing. These brilliant neurointerventionalists, these physicians, they take the SIMP device all the way into the blood vessels in our brain, believe it or not, and they put it into the clot. They expand the stent device, which is like a mesh, and it grabs onto the clot, and they take that clot out of the body. And with that treatment, up to 70% or 7 out of 10 stroke patients are back to independent living at 90 days after their stroke. They're back to work. They're back to caring for themselves and their families. Wow, that is something I did not know. I have a stent in my chest. So they put the stent in, they're capturing the clot, and then pulling the stent back out. That's something. 
Oh, it's profound. It's radically changed. And, and patients say, well, what does it look like when they drag it out of my body? It looks like a blood clot. That's what it looks like. And it's like, that was in my brain? Yes, it was. And it was causing a blockage. So there's a lot we can do on the treatment side. But what I'm really excited to talk about with your listeners is what they can do right now. Get this, 80% of stroke, it's preventable. It's preventable. There's many things that we can do, and prevention is the first step in these conditions, right? If we can prevent it from happening, that's always the best medicine. So the eighth grader, again, if you don't mind, Dr. J, that blood clot, the size of grain of sand, the size of a pea, what are we looking at there? I would say if you look at a teaspoon, these clots, I've seen them, pictures of them, they can be as small as maybe an eighth of a teaspoon or all the way up to half a teaspoon size. Yeah, so quite profound okay. and you can see them. So after all of that, you may be prescribed uh, blood thinners and things like that. If you're kind of prone to this now. Once you have a clot, are you considered clot prone? Does that make sense? A lot of patients that have one stroke, it's their first stroke of several, if they survive, if they survive. So you bring up a great point. We want to prevent another stroke from happening or at least reduce the risk as much as we can. So it is true. Some of these patients will be put on anticoagulants, which thin your blood out and prevent clots or antiplatelet medications that also prevent clots from developing. The hemorrhagic stroke of less common, thank goodness, because looking at what goes on there, that's got to be less common. This is really something else. So what's going to happen if that CT scan points to hemorrhagic? If it's hemorrhagic stroke, depending on where it's located in the brain, if they can treat it surgically, go in there and close the pipe up, they'll certainly consider that. But you're right, it is quite devastating, and thankfully, it's less common out of the two. But yeah, there's some things that they can do in some cases, but otherwise, it's getting that patient into rehab if they even survive that kind of stroke. Yeah, a pipe bursting in your kitchen is devastating to your home blood vessel bursting in your brain. I mean, my goodness, that's unimaginable in terms of what you could even do about that. I've heard they kind of maybe put a metal clamp in there and things like that. Yeah, surgically, they can remove the blood clot because if you think of your cranium as a confined space, there's only so much space. It doesn't expand. So if you're bleeding, that's taking up space where your brain should be. So it pushes the brain down into the brainstem area. It squishes your brain down and eventually your brain's going to herniate and that usually is fatal. So they'll try to remove as much blood as they can and then get in there and fix those pipes with clips and other surgical procedures. What a comprehensive look at stroke, stroke symptoms, stroke care, the necessity for speed. Cannot thank you enough for such a comprehensive conversation this morning, Dr. J, Dr. Jason Gleason. Thank you. And I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. I'm thrilled to be with you. Great program, great listeners. Well, thank you so much, and Godspeed, and thank you again for your service in the air, and we will see you again soon on the radio, Dr. Jason Gleason, doctoral nurse practitioner. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health podcast through Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. 
The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo.